Well, if you would, open your Bibles with me. Uh, really happy. Uh, we've got, I think, let's say seven couples going on the marriage retreat, which is wonderful. Uh, seven people working, seven couples working on their, on their marriage, which is so healthy. Too often we stop working. I've noticed in my generation, so many people are having their 25th anniversary. And uh, with 44 coming up, 43, 44, okay, I missed a year somewhere. It's often because life has issues and we need to try to put it together later. But I want to tell you, when you, uh, when you work through it, when you work through it, there's a real joy to the journey. Kind of like um, when you go up on Clinch Mountain and you get to the overlook and you see, I don't know, three or four states or something like that, and you can see where you've come. That's what anniversaries are for. They're for us to get together and look and see where we've come. And so I'm so glad that people are taking the time to work on that. One of my favorite things that I do each month is I go to Food City and I do my grocery shopping. Uh, my wife works with uh, food in uh, education. She teaches uh, young people, so she has to do a lot of shopping. So she does the shopping on her end. I do the shopping on my end, and that puts me in Food City. I choose to go to one place rather than spread it around because I want to be able to build relationships. So I am a community chaplain for Food City. That's a lot of employees, and I'm there three or four times a week. And I'll just drop in as I'm shopping. I'll speak to people, say hi. I know a lot of them by name. They know me by name. In fact, it's really strange. When we were wearing masks, they still knew me. I don't know how uh, they could see through the mask. Each month, I... Um, I get a little $10 gift card to one of the coffee shops and I'll select an employee to be my employee of the month and I'll give it to $10 is all it costs me and it lights them up and I'll give them my business card and I'll say, if I can ever pray for you, you just let me know, contact me, whatever, I will. I've spoken to the manager he knows if there's ever a crisis, a death, or a catastrophe in somebody's life, if somebody's you know, having a hard time, that I'll be happy to zip up there as quick as I can get there. It's part of spreading the light of the gospel of Christ. I drop in, not once a month. I go by a lot more often than that. But if you're a community chaplain, you go by your bank, you go by this store, this hairdresser or whatever, you go by once a month. And just drop in and say, can I pray for you about anything? You can talk to the manager or talk to some of the employees and say, just wanted to come by and say hi. Uh, if you want to bring a little snack, that's always welcome. If you want to bake some cookies and drop by, that's always appreciated because what we do outside these walls is more significant 
than what we do inside these walls. That's the nature of the gospel. And so we need some community chaplains. We need some people that will say, you know, I may not be the most talented person on earth and I may not be the most trained or whatever, but I can drop in a business in Colonial Heights once a month. I can bake something or pick up something or get a gift card once a month. I can pray for people. I can do that. If you do that, you'd be so surprised how well received we are, how appreciated we are for that. And it builds our reputation and it lays the groundwork for the gospel to go out. If you'd be willing to be a community chaplain, takes about 30 minutes a month, 30 minutes a month. If you'll see a Wayne Strong, raise your hand. If you'll see a Wayne Strong, or just catch me and say, Pastor, I'd like to do that. We'll do some very basic training for you. Then you can go out. We'll stay in touch. We'll do follow-up. And we will spread the love of Christ. Male or female, we need community chaplains. Well, if you would today, open your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Obviously, I'm preaching in the book of Colossians this month. We'll be in chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, with the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, but making peace through his blood shed on the cross." You heard me share with the children about house calls. We laugh at the thought today because it seems sometimes that it's really difficult to even get an appointment with the doctor in their office. And then if we get there, sometimes we're waiting long periods of time if they got running behind. So the thought that a doctor would leave his practice and come to see us, it just seems really strange. But isn't that what he did? He made a house call. He didn't send a prescription. He didn't do teledoc. He showed up in person. He knocked on our door. He visited our dwelling, our planet. He died for our sins. Not two pills of hope and I'll see you in the rapture. No, he made a house call. You see, the Son was from the beginning. Make that very clear. The Son 
was from the beginning. Because the doctrine of the Trinity, or a triune God, three in one, is very significant to good biblical teaching. Sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I love God and Jesus. And I'm thinking it's a bit redundant. I love God and Jesus. Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. In each of them is the fullness of who God is. You've seen one, you've seen the other. You've experienced the Holy Spirit, you've experienced Jesus. That's why we say Christ comes into your heart. Actually, technically, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. But if you've experienced the Spirit, you have experienced Christ. If you've experienced Christ, you've experienced the Father. All three are God in one. In fact, the Son was from the beginning. He, he is the face of God. That's why the Scripture begins by saying, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Folks, when Mary pulled back those swaddling clothes, and those grubby shepherds been living for days and weeks out in the fields and probably didn't smell too great, didn't look too great, but they were welcome. When she pulled back the swaddling clothes, they beheld the face of God. For the first time, the face of God. For in Him was the fullness of God dwelling. Jesus said, when you see the Son, you've seen the Father. You can know Him. You can relate to Him. You can bask in the light of God and His love because of Jesus. He is the Creator. See, there was a time in church history, as you heard Bruce allude to, that people didn't give Jesus the full credit because He is truly, fully human. How can He also be truly, fully God? It is a mystery. It is how you have the God-man, that the two are one, both God, both man. The perfect sacrifice, the perfect mediator, the perfect Savior. He is the Creator. Nothing was created in all of eternity that wasn't done by Him. Not only does He create it, but He holds it together. He's the one that pulls things together. He is responsible for all authority in this world. Whether it's visible, invisible, everything is done by Him. He holds it together. It's better than gorilla glue. What Christ does is done. Now one of the beauties of this is if he is the one that created it all, think of the power of the humility that the Son of God left heaven and came to earth. That the one that made it all left that throne and came to earth in human form. The ability to catch cold, stub a toe, have your heart broken, 
He came and he spent time among us. His humility is even more magnificent when you consider who he was and who he is. The Son is from the beginning. Not only that, but the Son is the head of his church. Did you see that? Scripture made it really clear in verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the head. Because he established it, set it up. He's in charge. He's always in charge. He's in charge of creation. There are no authorities that do not rule underneath his leadership, whether they acknowledge him or not. That's why I don't get particularly anxious when I hear Russians talking about maybe using a isolated nuclear attack if that's what they need to do. People go, oh, guess who's still on the throne? Guess who's still the creator? God's still here. He's still with us. And I don't stress too much about his church because the son is the head. I'm not the head. I'm the under shepherd. You're not the head. People with opinions, they're not the head. Chairman of the committee, we're not the head. No, the son is the head because it's his church. Not just this congregation, but the church on a global scale. He is the head. He is the focus. He is everything. In fact, the Bible says he is the firstborn of the dead. Now, why is that important? Why does it matter that he was the first to come back from the dead? Why is that important? Because he set a standard for us. That's why when the Apostle Paul mentions if Christ didn't really come back from the dead, then, then we're the most miserable people on earth because we believed a lie. But it's not a lie. He broke new ground. When he left a tomb, he made a way that we all can leave a grave. We all have hope. We all have eternal life. He is the first. The first in creation. He is the, the first in salvation. In resurrection, he leads the way. He is supreme. That's why we worship. Now, Bruce did me a favor today. He, uh, he sang my favorite hymn. Holy, holy, holy. You read the words. Because we're too often familiar with certain songs and we just rattle it off because we know it so well. Amazing grace, so sweet the sound that saved rich like me. Once was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. We don't have to think. You pull out hymn number one. I think that's the number. Uh, you take a peek at it. You check the words. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, though the darkness seems to hide you, but you're not hidden. It's powerful. Holy, holy, holy. Words that we declare to God. Holy, holy, holy. For each aspect of God. Father, Son, and Spirit. He is supreme. Jesus is head of the church. We sing praises to his name. Though the eyes of sinful man 
your glory, we, we, we can't see. It doesn't change who you are. Circumstances do not change who you are. And so we worship, and we worship with awe, with his majesty. I think too often we just come in and flop down, say, hey, how was the football game? Well, we didn't lose. That's true. Not all of us can say that. We come in and we comment on our clothing, get your hair done. Maybe when we come in, the majesty of Christ should be on our lips. Not where we're going to eat, how the weather is, but the majesty of Christ. It's why, it's why I like worship. That's why I don't understand the people that sit at home and look at a computer screen. I worship with humans who have flaws. You guys need grace. Y'all really need mercy. So do I. So we worship together. We sing the same songs together because he is supreme. The son is the great physician. He made a house call. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be called the Prince of Peace. You realize that Thanksgiving's around the corner and Christmas is right after? I love it. I love to get with my family. I love when they come in. I love when the grandchildren come in. Papa G, Mama T. Or Mama T, Papa G. Depends on who's got the money. It's funny to see our children. I love on them. It's a joy. But not everybody has joy. Some people dread the holidays because there's a mother-in-law that nobody can please. Some people dread the holidays because grandpa drinks. Some people dread the holidays because they've got two places to be and they can't decide which one. And it's always turmoil. But the great physician, when he shows up, he is the Prince of Peace. Through his own shedding of his own blood, he makes peace. He makes it where there's a father that welcomes you. He makes it where there's a son who saves you. He makes it where there's a spirit who dwells in you. The only reason I have eternal life is Jesus. There's no religious activity that I do. There's no personal morality that I do that gains me brownie points in heaven where God says, hey, you're doing all right. I think you're going to make it. No. Only Jesus. Only his death. Only his house call makes a difference. John chapter 1, Scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, capital W, meaning Jesus, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him 
was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. When I was about four years old, I got scarlet fever. Now, you don't hear much about it. It's been pretty much wiped out with immunization and such. But scarlet fever in an earlier generation is a very dangerous uh, disease. Uh, there was an excellent chance your child would die if you had scarlet fever. It was on a high alert. It took the medical community uh, to really focus to provide the care to save a child's life. So when my young mother in her early 20s found out that I had scarlet fever, she panicked. To be honest, the doctor kind of panicked too. And that evening, there's a knock at the door. And our doctor showed up with the doctor's bag. And he said, Ms. Burton, I'm here to take care of Greg tonight. If he can get through tonight, he's probably going to be okay. And he had my mom fix a cot. A cot in my bedroom. And the doctor spent the night with me. He would not leave my side. Because he was outstanding. And he made a house call. That's why 2,000 years ago, the great physician shows up makes a house call, spends the night, so to speak, sticks with us, heals us, us up with salvation, brings peace where there's turmoil, hope where there's struggle. Yeah, he didn't send a prescription. He brought the cure. And that's why we sing. It's why we worship it's why we pray, because the great physician made a house call. Has he called you? Has he called you? Has he knocked on your door? Have you heard the knock and said, no thanks, I, I'm living a pretty good life. I don't think I need you. Knock, knock, knock. I came to save you. You know, there's a, there's a belief today that we accept Jesus. We live like we want, live like we want, and just accept little Jesus, and we're all good. When we receive Christ as Savior, we walk away from the world. That's how it works. You, you can't accept Jesus as Savior, but then live like everybody on Instagram, 
Facebook or whatever. You, you can't, can't do it both. You choose. I don't know about you. When he knocks, I'm opening the door. Did you bag heads with me? Father, I think your son is knocking on some doors today. I think there is a power that lies in the blood of Christ on the cross. We desperately need it. Would you hear our confession today when we fail? to focus on the supremacy of Christ in worship? Would you forgive us when we hold too tightly to the world and all the excitement of this world and Jesus gets a piece of me? And Lord, for those who receive the knock on the door of their heart, would they receive him today, the Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen.